Joy to the world and joy to you. How are you today? Man, wow, what, a, what an incredible day. Isn't it amazing that 2,000 years after the fact of Jesus' birth, the reality that he was born into this world just like you and I are, albeit from different circumstances, you and I can gather in this place and we can echo the message of the angels themselves as we sing joy to the world. It's that same message that the angel delivered to the shepherds the day that Jesus was born. Now, of course, most of what we know about the details of Jesus' birth, we learn from Luke chapter 2. Now, there are other parts to the story that come from Matthew and other things that come from prophecy in the Old Testament, but it's the actual birth of Jesus and, and this incredible angelic birth announcement that is made by the angel that comes to us from Luke chapter 2. If you've got a Bible with you, I want you to look there. But I want, you, I want to just remind you real quickly of the circumstances of this birth announcement. That the shepherds were, were outside the city limits, if you will, of Bethlehem. And, and when we call Bethlehem a city, that's really kind of giving it a lot more credit. Bethlehem was really... And today is not much more than just kind of a wide spot in the road. It's about eight miles south of Jerusalem. And it's just kind of a real small town. It was kind of only known in that day as the place that King David had been born a thousand years before. And so when the angel showed up to the shepherds out there, you understand why the Bible tells us that the shepherds were terrified. They, they were scared out of their minds. You can, you can kind of envision the scenario where all of a sudden the shepherds are just literally minding their business. That, that's exactly what they were doing because their business was sheep. And they're minding their sheep. And all of a sudden, here comes this angel from God. And it's kind of like, <gasps> everybody do that with me. Let's, let's make that expression together on the count of three. One, two, three. <gasps> you just kind of, you just like, whoa, that's, that's a big, big deal. Now, now, angel is interesting because an angel is, of course, a, a heavenly being created by God. They're not God or gods, but they're created by God. But the word angel, you know what the word means? It just means a messenger, somebody who, who's bringing a message from God. And this message, it, it makes sense that the very first words that the angel said were, do not be afraid. Here's how Luke records this event. He says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news, good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. I bring you good news of great joy. For all the people, I want you to turn to your Christmas neighbor right now and tell them, that means you. For all the people. Now, what's interesting about this announcement to the shepherds is to contrast this with those people most intimately involved with the birth of Jesus. You, you, you got to understand the context to think about, you know, we... we we get dressed up for Christmas. The pastor even put on a coat, which that doesn't happen around here very much for those of you who are visiting or our guests. 
But we, we, we get dressed up. It's Christmas Eve. We go to church. We have a big meal. We, we know the story, and we know the roots of the joy. But for, for Mary and Joseph, this was a trying, trying time. I want you to think about my man Joseph. Joseph, here Joseph is. He's just a, a carpenter going about his business. He's engaged to be married to Mary. And they're, they're on their way to the wedding altar, but they haven't gotten there yet when all of a sudden Mary turns up pregnant. And, and Joseph knows he's not the father. They're not married yet. They haven't been together. And she's pregnant when another messenger from God comes to him and says, Joe, chillax. It's going to be okay. Mary is pregnant supernaturally. She is miraculously pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And she is bearing the Savior of the world. It's okay. Now I want you to put yourself in Joseph's sandals for just a second. Because in that moment, Joseph has a choice to make. He can either believe what he's being told, or he can run for the hills and in that moment, he chooses to believe. And he sees the engagement through. He sees this birth through to its completion. And then, after the birth of Christ, he becomes the husband of Mary. But don't you know in that interim period, they, they still had to walk around their town? You know how people talk. I mean, small town? Come on, give me a break. You know there were people who were like, Joe. What's up with Mary? He's like, don't worry about it. It's the Holy Spirit of God. And they're like, of course it is, Joseph. Thank you very much. But Joseph was a man of faith. Mary, she's by any account a young, young woman when she becomes pregnant for the first time. And another messenger from God tells her that she will bear the Savior of the world. Why? Because she alone has found favor with God himself. And the angel says to Mary the same thing that he said to Joseph, that he said to the shepherds, do not be afraid. It's okay. But you know, Mary believed that and worshiped. But I have yet to ever talk to a first-time mama who isn't a little bit scared, who isn't a little bit afraid. And it's into their lives that this announcement, this magnitude of Messiah is delivered to the entire world. It's, it's really remarkable how regularly, how relentlessly God generates joy out of the strangest of situations. You know, I've, I've shared with you before that I grew up, my brothers and I were raised by a single mom. My mom raised three boys by herself. Now, you, you don't understand quite how impressive that is because my brothers were a handful. <laughs> Me, I was a helper. My brothers, though, whoo! But my mom raised all three of us by ourselves, and, and she made a really concerted effort from the day that my dad left. My mother never said anything negative about my dad. She never denigrated him. She never downplayed his role in our lives. She went out of her way to be positive about him even though they were divorced. Her mother, my grandmother, however, <laughs> did not feel the same conviction 
My grandmother was a phenomenal woman. Mimi is what she went by. She was smart as a whip, smoked like a chimney, and taught me so, so much of what I know about unconditional love. Every time that they would come to Houston from Beaumont where they lived, they'd pull in the driveway and within just a couple of minutes of her coming in the door, she'd take me aside and she'd say, come here, don't tell your mother this. And then she'd tell me an inappropriate joke that she had heard somewhere along the way. This was the grandmother that I grew up with. How many of you had a great grandmother growing up? Let me just see a show of hands if you were blessed with a phenomenal grandmother. Well, it wasn't too long after my parents split up and were divorced that we were all gathered up with my mom's side of the family for Christmas. And we were sitting around the kitchen table talking when the telephone rang. And my brother Pat got up to go answer the phone. And for those of you who are too young to remember, there was a day and an age when entire families shared one phone number. (laughs) And if you were really, really rich, you had like three phones at different rooms in the house. Anyway, my brother Pat got up to answer the phone. And at the time, this is important, Pat was only 11, maybe 12 years old. And as he went to the phone, we saw him kind of nodding, go, yeah, yeah. And we were all kind of like, who is it? Who's it for? Who gets to talk on the telly today? And he said, yeah, she's here. Hang on just a second. He said, Mimi, it's for you. So my grandmother got up to take the receiver from him. And as she was putting the receiver to her ear, my brother said very casually over his shoulder, it's dad. (laughs) You would have thought he had handed her a radioactive baby diaper. I mean, she threw the phone down. I remember watching it bounce on the linoleum. And we all kind of sat there stunned, and my brother never broke stride. He never cracked a smile. He just said, just kidding, it's your sister. (laughs) Is that brilliant? We fell out laughing. I'm talking about, you know, when the whole room, when when a whole family just belly laughs and your stomach hurts, there's tears rolling down your face. It was one of the funniest moments I have ever had in my life. Even today, we still love to tell that story when we get together. It is one of those stories that has just become part of the fabric of our family. Isn't it remarkable how regularly and relentlessly God generates joy out of the strangest of circumstances. This is what he did in the birth of Jesus. This is what he does even now. This this joy to the world that we celebrate at Christmas. And and we even kind of like to see it drag on a little bit longer because what do we say after Christmas when the calendar flips into the next year? We always say to each other what? Happy New Year. Year. So we go from Merry Christmas to Happy New Year. But doesn't it kind of make sense? Isn't it just logical to you that if God felt so strongly about the birth of Jesus and what it means, this good news to all people, that this joy to the world, shouldn't it it radiate out? Shouldn't it mean more than just this one week at the end of our year? Isn't it something that... He expects, he intends for us to experience and to express 365 days a year. And as I began praying about this and preparing for this Christmas message, God started to do something inside of me that that I hope and I pray is going to continue out beyond just this Christmas service. Because on January the 7th, as a church family, we're going to look at what it means 
not just to be happy new year, but to be happy all year. What does that mean? How, How do we build that into our lives? How do we experience it so that we then express it in everything that we do, no matter the circumstances, no matter the situation of our lives? So I hope you'll make it a point to, to set, you know, to circle January the 7th on your calendar and be a part of this, because what Christmas means is more than just December 25th. And this, this drive for happy, this, this need for joy that all of us feel, all of us know it, is not unique to you and me. It's not something that is restricted to humanity. Because the fact of the matter is, God himself experiences joy. God is happy and joyful within himself. And even more so, he created us to share in his joy. You you know this because of what you see and read throughout the entirety of Scripture. But there's this fascinating moment in the life of Jesus. If we can kind of put Christmas on hold for just a brief second, just a second. I'm going to come back, I promise, in just a minute. But, but there's this incredible scene that the Bible records on the day of Jesus' baptism. Now, now, baptism is a big deal because of what it represents. But when Jesus was baptized, the Bible tells us that at that moment, at that place, all three characters of the Godhead, of the Trinity, were in attendance. You had God the Father, you had God the Son being baptized by John the Baptist, But then there was the Holy Spirit, and the Bible records this. It's it's a fascinating moment over, just in Luke chapter 3, just one chapter over from the nativity scene is this moment. But, But within this moment is a fascinating insight into God's personality. It says, one day when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened up and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove, and a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly, dearly loved son. Check this out. And you bring me great joy. You bring me great joy. Now, for some of you, that's going to mess up your theology, to think about God enjoying anything. And it's going to mess up your theology because your theology is messed up. If you don't think God experiences pleasure, if you don't think God is joyful, you're not understanding who God is. But God finds the most joy in his son, Jesus. And it is by extension, because of what Christ did for us on the cross, when he took on our sin and was separated temporarily from God the Father, but then rose again with the offer of new life, that God then enjoys anyone in Christ. So God created you. He created me to enjoy us and for us to enjoy him. It's a staggering reality. But this is why the angel could say, do not be afraid, because this is the good news. The good news that God so loves you that he gave his only son so that whoever would believe in him would never die, but would have eternal life that begins right here and right now. It's 
It's this staggering gift and this staggering reality to know that God experiences joy. The joy is part of the divine character. Even go back to our boys, the shepherds, even way back here in Bethlehem. You see this incredible moment of great joy, and all of a sudden this one angel is joined by a complete team, a, a stadium full of angels, and they're worshiping God and lifting him up. And it's because of joy that we give gifts at Christmas. It's this incredible celebration of the goodness and the amazing grace of God. These gifts that we, we go to so much trouble for, we plan for, buy for, and give away and receive. Let me ask you a question. First of all, how many of you think you know something you're getting for Christmas this year? Let me just see a show of hands if you think you know. Interesting. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put that thing that you think you know in the frontal lobe of your brain. And in your prayer journal somewhere, on the, in a margin somewhere, just write down, write down what you think it is. Don't show it to anybody. And then tomorrow morning when you open your gifts, because that's the biblical time to open gifts. Don't be opening presents on Christmas Eve. <laughs> but when you open those gifts, it'd be fascinating to know how many of you were right. How many of you were wrong? Because, you know, there, there are different grades of gifts, aren't there? There are different grades. I don't mean to be crass about it, but we're all family here. Let's be honest. There, there are those gifts that we receive, and, and we so appreciate the gesture and the giver of the gift, certainly. And we open it up, and, and we, we consciously but silently say to ourselves, smile. <laughs> oh, thank you, out loud, silently. I am never putting this on my body. It's never going out in my house. Nobody will ever know that I own this. As a matter of fact, goodwill is about to get some goodwill. We've all gotten those kind of presents, haven't we? And, that's, and again, we appreciate the gesture and the giver, to be sure, but the gift itself, ooh. But then you, you come up from there, and there's, there's the gift that you open up, and you appreciate, again, the giver and the gesture. You open it up, and you're like, that's something. I will use that sometime. I, man, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And you, you like it. But like, you know, you're going to be like in, in June, you're like, oh, yeah. That's where that went. I, was one, I, I remember. But you, you're not like, you know, just blown away. But then, man, then there, there are those gifts near the top of the ladder. And you, 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 you open it up and you're like, it's what I asked for. Santa killed it. Man, way to go, Santa. And you're just like, yes, yes. And, and some of you right now are trying to be really cool, but you're going to feel that way. Well, this past week, I, I was done with my, with my Christmas sermon. I, I had finished it. And I went home one afternoon, and my wife, Julie, said, hey, there's a package with your name, a package for you at the front door. 
And listen, we've been married 26 years, head over heels in love, but at this point in life, most of the Christmas packages that come to the door say, for Mac and Julie Richard or for Julie Richard, but rarely do I get a package that's a Christmas present just for me. I was kind of excited. And, and this is it. And I went to the door and I was like, two, that's to me. And I was curious who it came from because I wasn't expecting anything. And there was no indication on the shipping label. So I, I, I mean, I opened it up and pulled it out. It's like, fanatics. Never heard of that. Some kind of cult. I was cool. So I opened it up. I was like, oh my word. I saw the number. And I, I knew. I knew this is number 12. That's Roger Staubach's number. I said, somebody sent me a Roger Staubach jersey. Now, some of you are too young and you don't know. Roger Staubach, when God created football, <laughs> he decreed that Roger Staubach would be the prototype for quarterbacks forever. And I was like, man, that is awesome. I was like, this thing's heavy. This is like a, and I opened it up and it's like, that is an authentic replica <laughs> game jersey. And I could kind of, I was like, wait, his name, his name's on the back of that is so cool. Wait a minute. Roger signed this jersey, Roger Staubach, Hall of Fame, 85. Now, at this point, I still didn't know who it was from. I was like, who sent me this? And so I, I took it and I kind of, you know, like very carefully laid it. Ah. And I started going through the package. I was looking, I was a like, packing slip. Or Stallback, Roger, Autograph, Hall of Fame. You know him. It's, it's our friend. David Hughes and his wife Lisa, who've preached here before. The note says this, says, Mac, just a little something to wear if Jerry Jones ever calls. <laughs> Merry Christmas, David, Lisa, and all the folks who love you at Church by the Glades. I was like, man, you've got to be kidding me. And so I, I called David immediately. He very selfishly did not answer I put it back in the box, and I called him again and, and finally got a hold of him. I was like, David, have you lost your mind? I, I think Julie and I sent them a Danish. <laughs> it was a very nice Danish, but anyway, unless it was from Denmark, it's not going to match that. Anyway, I said, David, what are you doing? He said, man, Mac, I, I thought of that. And I, man, I just thought of, I saw that and I thought of you. I, I mean, I thought, I just, I just made me so happy 
to, to think about you opening that in the mail, having no idea that it was coming. I said, David, I, I cannot thank you enough. I said, now, you have to understand something. I'm a little bit angry with you because you just messed up the last 45 minutes of my sermon. I'm just kidding. We're not going to be in here 45 more minutes. <laughs> and so we're like, we've got ham in the oven. But you see, David Hughes taught me an immutable spiritual law. That, that, there's, a, that there's another grade of gift out there. It's, it's, the, it's the perfect gift that you didn't even know to ask for. You didn't even know that it was a possibility, and yet it showed up. And the amazing thing about this present from David, and this is another, I was just blown away. The more I opened it, I was excited when I just saw my name on the box. But the, but the more I opened it and I, I dug into it, the more I opened it and the deeper I dug, the better the gift got. The more you know of Jesus, the deeper you dig into who he is and how much he loves you, the better he gets. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. It says, clothe yourself in Christ Jesus. That means try him on for size. Check him out. This Jesus is good news of great joy. And I, and I can't help but wonder on this Christmas Eve if maybe he isn't the perfect gift that you didn't even know to ask for. I, I wonder if, if maybe you walked in these doors today for whatever, maybe it's because it's this time of year and, and you just do that or maybe you're in town with family and, and, you know, or somebody asked you or invited you or guilted you to come in the door, whatever it took. But you're here now. And, and now you know this good news of great joy that Jesus Christ loved you enough to leave his rightful place in heaven and to be born as a human being, to live a sinless and perfect life and die on the cross because he became your sin and my sin, and that he rose again from the dead with the offer of a new life so that anyone who believes in him would never die but would have eternal life that begins right here and right now. Isn't it remarkable how God generates joy out of the strangest of circumstances? I want to ask you to bow your heads for just a brief moment. And in this moment, I want to ask you, if you will, just be still and just consider a question. Just consider a question. Have I trusted Jesus? And, and what that means is, have I definitively, personally chosen to follow Jesus. If for you the answer is yes, you know, then I want to encourage you just to be praying right now. 
But if for you the answer is no, I wonder if maybe this Christmas Eve wasn't divinely sanctioned by God to be your personal nativity scene. That moment when you were born into a new relationship with God in Jesus. By choosing to follow him. As a church, we want to give you the opportunity to do that right now, to open this gift personally by praying a prayer of commitment. It's a prayer of response. Just silently, right where you are, if God has brought you to this point of decision and this moment of response, then you just pray right where you're sitting. In your own words, silently, just talk to God and say something like this. Just silently engage with God. Just say, silently, just say, Jesus, I need you. I confess my sin, all of it. I know that you already know it. But I confess it in order to claim your forgiveness. I believe that you were born. I believe that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again with the offer of a new life. And Jesus, I accept and I thank you and I pray this prayer in your name. you would just remain with your heads bowed for a moment because this is a big deal. The Bible says that if one person comes to faith, that all of heaven celebrates. And so as a church, we want to we help. We want to be just that family of faith with you. And if you just prayed that prayer and you meant it for the first time in your life definitively, let me tell you how you can help us help you. In whatever way works, at whatever pace works for you. First of all, if you will open up your program that you got when you came in today, You'll notice inside there is a thing called the Connect Card. And if there's anything that we can do to help, particularly if you just stepped into that relationship with Christ, fill that card out. And down at the bottom, you'll notice there's a place to indicate there, I committed my life to Christ this week. And when you leave in just a few moments, Hand that Connect card to one of our ushers. Just, just hand it to them on the way out. Just make a brief moment to make a personal connection. Don't leave this moment sitting in the seat with you. 
when you walk out. But then second of all, as our heads are bowed for just another moment, if that was your prayer, would you raise your hand? Just raise your hand and hold it up high over your head. And the reason I ask you to do that is twofold. Number one, it kind of stamps this moment. It imprints it in your life so you know that this is real. Christmas Eve 2017, this happened. God did it and you responded. You never have to pray that prayer again. Now you just begin to get to live it out. But you also imprint this moment by your raised hand in the life of this church because there is nothing more important to us than this moment in your life. This is why we exist. This is why we get up in the morning. And so as a family, as a church, we honor that and we celebrate it. It's a good thing. And our family tradition is as you put your hands down, we put our hands together to tell you welcome home and Merry Christmas.